you know, you always hit that period where you realize that your parents aren't infallible, you know, that, that they don't have all the answers and they're trying the best that they can. I feel like success is not only really like meeting your own goals and aspirations, but, you know, also building up people around you and uh, feeling like you can have an impact on, on their lives, their goals and their aspirations. Hey guys, I'm Young, a full-time dad and a full-time professional with the goal to become the best parent possible. The Girl Dad Show is my journey interviewing fellow working parents aspiring to be both good at work and parenting. I'm going to do this by gathering and sharing unfiltered perspectives from my guests. So join me as I research parenthood one interview at a time. Cody, thank you so much for joining me on my show today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks so much, Young. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I have um, talked to you about all of this stuff, but it's going to be really great to dive really deep into um, parenting and, and work and all that stuff. But let's get into it, because since I already know you, but the listeners don't, what do you do for a living? Uh, so I do a couple of things now. I'm the founder and uh, consultant with a company called Plumeria. Uh, we consider ourselves to be a culture company. We help companies nurture the talent within their organizations, teams, and individuals. Uh, I also recently took on a position as head of learning and development at OpenSea, which is an NFT marketplace. Yeah, that's awesome. I um, I know you as Plumeria, and I know the recent thing of OpenSea is um, really, really exciting because I know of OpenSea, and it's like the the hippest, coolest NFT company to work for right now, isn't it? I think so. <laughs> That's why I'm there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I don't know enough about it right now. And it's like, so I feel so dumb and like, just like uh, behind the eight ball. And I'm like, am I, am I getting like, am I becoming that old, old guy that's like, doesn't understand the new technology? Because it's so hard for me to wrap my brain around cryptocurrency, Web3 and NFTs and um, and it's just yeah. so exciting that, you know, these new platforms are coming in and then, um, getting to hear about it from you and, um, and talking to you a little bit about it, but, uh, what are some of the big projects you're currently working on? Uh, so with Plumeria, uh, so we are helping a major sports brand, uh, renovate their facilities, um, in pursuit of a new collaborative work style. Uh, that's especially been interesting given the pandemic and, uh, physical lockdowns of uh, of workspaces and so on and so forth. So that's been an interesting project to be a part of. Um, we're helping a prominent ratings and awards company uh, improve the performance of one of their Fortune 10 uh, retail clients. Uh, so that's exciting as well. Uh, at OpenSea, I don't know how much I can tell you about what I'm doing, uh, <laughs> but... Uh, um, building Tell out a culture everything. of learning within the organization. There you go. Yeah. Um, building out a culture of uh, learning within the organization and then uh, seeing how we can maybe become more of a uh, thought leader and educator uh, in, in the public space. So to make it a place where people can come to learn all the things that you're hoping to learn and That's uh, right. I'm hoping to learn and all those things. Yeah. On my own, uh, I'm working on a book about learning experience design. Um, and trying to refresh my guitar skills to hopefully collaborate with a few musicians on things and all of my downtime, which is wow. almost non-existent. Yeah. I had no idea you were doing that. I kind of, I knew the first yeah. thing. I kind of knew about the second thing. 
And I did not know that you were working on a book and um, starting to perform. That's amazing. Yeah. Where do you find the time? I, I'm not sure exactly. It just kind of fits <laughs> in the cracks. Uh, it is an interesting benefit of working from home in that, you know, if you have like a 10 minute gap from one meeting to the next or something like that, it's really not enough time to do anything substantial. Uh, so it's a great time to pick up a guitar and go through a few things and so on and so forth. So I find myself doing that a lot throughout the day and it helps me think uh, when I need to focus on, on things as well. So, yeah. And is guitar your mainstay? I thought it was piano. Wasn't what, what um, you tell me what, what's your main instrument? I would say my main instrument is guitar. Uh, I can find my way around a piano. I used to teach keyboard harmony, but I can't, uh, I, I don't have the dexterity to have one hand play one thing and the other hand play something else. Uh, so I can play like block chords, but the moment there's an accompaniment in the left hand and a melody in the right, I, I can't do it. Yeah. Is yeah. that one of those things where you like <laughs> pat your head and like rub your tummy? Is that kind of the, one of those exactly. situations? Yeah. Got it. Yeah, yeah. So that's awesome. And so it sounds like you're kind of exploding in, in different activities and projects and you're just kind of fitting it all in. Um, how about how about your your kid? Why don't you tell the listeners about um, your daughter? Oh, my gosh. Uh, so my daughter is definitely one of the best things in my life. Uh, she has hit that magic age of 13 this year. Uh, so it's it's sort of like a switch flips. You know, there's there's all these stages of development that happen. Um, you know, when they hit a certain age, suddenly they start making sounds that sound like vocalizations and, you know, suddenly they start crawling, suddenly they start walking. And uh, when they hit 13, suddenly they start becoming a little more passive about things, not wanting to express like emotion around things. So everything's kind of like, cool, man, cool. So yeah, it's, it's really weird because it's like almost on the dot, like you turn 13 and now you are a teenager, you know, with that yeah. kind of mindset. So yeah, so that's been fun to watch, but yeah, oh, that's she's wild. a great kid. And then I know that a lot of these new endeavors are fairly new, although your consulting business has been, uh, how long have you been consulting for now? It's been two and a half? About four years, years, yeah. Four years you've been consulting. Oh, it should wow. be five years this year, yeah. So, wow, yeah. you've been doing it a long time. And then what does, um, what does your daughter think about, uh, all the things that you do and, um, the work that you do and, and your business that you're building and, and the job that you got. And then now you're going to write a book. Like, does she understand all these things? Um, to a degree. So she really likes the work that I do with Plumeria, even though I think she's not exactly sure what we do, but mm. she actually, when she was nine, she named the company. I couldn't think of a good name for the company and. She came strolling in and I was like, yeah, I can't think of a name. I can't think of a name. And she was like, how about Plumeria? I said, oh, that's a great name, but it's going to be taken, you know, 10 times over. But I checked, uh, I checked and it was available. Like there are a couple companies named Plumeria, like some variation of Plumeria in different uh, industries, but it was pretty much wide open. Whereas most names you check them and there's like 20 companies with that exact same name. That's right. Uh, so yeah, so she named that. So she's always happy um, when I'm doing that. And when this opportunity with OpenSea came up, that was one of her first questions: "Is wait, is Plumeria shutting down? Like, what's going on?" You know. Yeah. Um, but no. So she was relieved when I said, "No, it's alive and well. It's going to keep going." So on and so forth. 
Uh, with NFTs, uh, I guess um, there are definitely mixed feelings about NFTs. So some people are excited, see it as the wave of the future, but kids in middle school, they think it's a big joke. And I guess it's become like a massive meme and so on and so forth. So she's just like, oh my gosh, don't let anybody that I know see you like reading about NFTs, hear you listening to podcasts oh, about really? NFTs. Like, don't mention where you work. Like, yeah, she she believes she will be the laughing stock of the school if people find out that her dad's in NFTs. How did that happen? Because <laughs> is because I'm sitting yeah, here, know. I'm sitting here on the back end of that, you know, category age wise, and I'm going like, oh, I need to learn it, or else I'm not cool. And then you have like these yeah, young yeah. kids that are like, oh, don't talk about it, or you're not cool. That is so yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny. Yeah the, yeah, the balance of those. Yeah. So I'm really excited about the um, OpenSea job that you have. And I'm assuming that you took on that head of learning job because of the same reason what, same reason that I just articulated earlier on, right? Like, I, I want to be involved. I want to know what it is, but I just don't know what I'm, what I'm doing or like how to even like start the process of learning, right? So I'm sure that that's yeah. one of the big things that you're tackling is like helping the education process of this new frontiering um, uh, industry. It's not even, it's, it's not even a category. It's like its own industry. It's like its own space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's absolutely why I got involved with it. I was actually at the time that the opportunity came about, I was researching OpenSea because as a musician, I wanted to figure out, can I turn my music into NFTs? How does that work? Uh, how do copyrights around it work, you know, in this new space? Can you do, does it have to be recorded material? Can you um, turn sheet music into an NFT? You know, like all this kind of stuff. And so when the opportunity came up, you know, I I sort of, I guess out of a scale of one to 10, I would have rated myself maybe like a three in terms of NFT knowledge when the opportunity came up. So I, I really figured it was an opportunity to not only learn more about the space myself, but to help other people like me learn a lot more about the space. because. There are a ton of resources out there to learn about NFTs. They tend to be really technical, though, and they tend to be very focused on how. And I think a lot of people in my position have questions about why. Like, why mm. is this important? How, why will this be the, the wave of the future? And, yeah. you know, all these types of things. And so I'm really interested in helping contribute that why to the greater uh, learning resource community around the space. That's awesome. Yeah. And I can't think of a better person to help um, educate the masses on it. And um, it's definitely people like me. Uh, you you definitely have a natural <laughs> way of like breaking things down into very understandable bite size um, nuggets. Um, that being okay. said, I would love to talk to you about um, how like you came to do all these things. So I think it's super important that everyone understands like that you're, you were, you were actually, I don't know. I, it's unfair because I, I, you know, you're like a, a special guest in the sense that I know you. Right. So I'm like, kind of like, <laughs> I'm like kind of like filling in the gap for you. So let me just ask the question. Tell, tell us about your childhood. Tell us about how you grew up. Oh boy. Uh, my childhood was, uh, I, I would say it was a, a mixed variety of experiences. So we had some really great memories uh, my mother was the type who would volunteer in the classroom on a weekly basis mm. and was one of the cool parents that the other kids liked when she chaperoned field trips and so on and so forth. We did a lot of things. Um, it was also tinted by a lot of 
hardship. So we were, I remember when I was like eight years old, my parents gave me the book, like, what does it mean when mommy and daddy say we can't afford it? Um, you know, and, and different things like that. Um, we definitely had uh, some family alcohol use disorder um, in place. And then when I was about 13, my daughter's age, that's when uh, my parents divorced and so on and so forth. Uh, so there were there were a lot of challenges in there. Um, but, you know, holidays, for example, were always a really big deal. So Christmas was a really special time. Halloween was a really special time. Easter, you know, all these types of things. Mm. Um, so so it's really like you have these difficult moments and these difficult things that you're dealing with. But also there are these really magical moments uh, interspersed in there. Wow. Dang, I thought I knew you and I was leading you on, but I just learned so much more about you. <laughs> and and do you think that that's really impacted you and your your um, career trajectory and your parenting style? I think so, because um, I would say at a young age, I was sort of required to become rather independent. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, you always hit that period where you realize that your parents aren't infallible you know, that, that they don't have all the answers and right. they're trying the best that they can and all that stuff. Um, I probably discovered that maybe a little bit earlier, which made me a little more skeptical of authority in general. And that definitely reflected in uh, my studies as I grew up. I was definitely the type of kid where if I didn't understand why I was learning something, I couldn't learn it. And so I'd get bad grades in, mm -hmm. in those subjects. Uh, Teachers would often either love having me in the class because I'd ask all the questions nobody would ask, or they hated having me in the class because you would, I would ask point all out the questions that didn't make sense. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that kind of reflects on uh, my career as well. So uh, with all the things I do in learning and development, I take myself as my own worst student and think. If I was going through this, would I would I buy it? Would I be interested in this? Would I agree with the conclusions that are being made? And if not, what would I want in there? You know, um, so it's really caused me to shape uh, the learning experiences that we do uh, as very learner driven. So it's up to people in the classes to come up with their own conclusions based on information that they're given, so on and so forth. So there's a lot of debate and different things like that. I would definitely say that came <laughs> from my childhood um, and, and just trying to look at things in, in different ways. Um, I think even when it comes to uh, my trajectory in terms of what I believed I was capable of and like what I've actually done, mm -hmm. um, it's probably motivated a lot by my childhood too. Um, I felt, I feel like I really had to push hard to make things happen because I was having to make things happen myself. Like I paid for <laughs> my own college uh, by working, you know, four jobs simultaneously to wow. my studies and um, all sorts of things because um, my parents didn't have any money to contribute and so on and so forth. Uh, so yeah, that, that actually gave me a lot of skills in terms of trying to be self-sufficient and, um, and make things happen. So, yeah. How, and how do you uh, how do you think about that as you think about your your daughter and being a dad? Like, what are some of those things that you want to instill in her, and what are the things that you want to provide differently? That's a great question. Uh, definitely, I, I I want to make special those things that were special to me when I was younger. So, 
as you can imagine, holidays are a big deal yeah. <laughs> in my house. Like yeah. we go all out for Christmas and Halloween and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, just because I, I remember how magic those moments were. And it's, it's a language that I can understand that I think I can pass on. Uh, and then it's about trying to mitigate some of the things that, that I had to deal with um, that were hardships for me. Um, there's also the other lens, which is my daughter is half Japanese. Um, and so I think it has also made me aware of um, a lot more of my own privilege growing up and some things where, you know, I thought I was fighting really hard battles, but, you know, at the same time, I had uh, an edge that a lot of people wouldn't have um, to to be able to achieve those same things. So when it comes to my daughter, um, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to be sensitive to that and recognize, you know, when she goes to school, for example, she identifies as Asian. Um, and so she kind of looks around to see, are there other Asian kids here? There's not many, you know, um, and so they kind of group together and so on and so forth. And that's not something that I really had much experience with, you know, being a white kid in a white city. I mean, actually, I guess my city was pretty, um, we had a lot of, uh, uh, um, Latino people and so on and so forth in, uh, where I grew up. Um, so I guess I was exposed to different races and cultures early on. And then when I went to school, I went to a music conservatory. So most everybody there is international. Um, so I think that helped, but yeah, it's really nice to see, um, or, or it's really nice to be cognizant of that as, as my daughter's growing up and just to help her in ways that maybe I didn't need that help before. Yeah, that's a great answer. You're very, very thoughtful about um, um, your 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 parenting strategy here. This is really great. It's uh, I think you, you're naturally like that, right? Even in your you know even in your career and your job, but um, it's really cool to see how you parlay that into parenting. Um, and as it relates to parenting, um, what what about um, parenting as you're thinking about? her and kind of like where you're going with this with her in this next stage and you know you said she's a teenager now and where she's headed what are the things that you're actually trying to um, keep and maintain like the holidays but what are you things that you're trying to change what am i trying to change um i would definitely say i was was one of those protective parents uh with amelie when she was younger mm. um I think she also had that benefit of being the only child, so she didn't have to compete for attention with those things. But I was always in her classroom. I was always chaperoning field trips, you know, oh, all that wow. kind of stuff um, and watching out for her. And now I think she's really feeling this need to assert greater independence and so on and so forth. And so I think that's one of the things I really need to change is um, – how can I support her in being more independent while at the same time making it clear that I'm here when she needs me and so on and so forth. So that's been, um, she, it's been a big challenge. Uh, is she telling yeah. you this or are you feeling it? You're just picking up on it. Maybe a little bit of both. I definitely feel it in a lot of cir circumstances because you'll pick up some attitude and things <laughs> in different areas where you're like, what, where's that coming from? I'm not used to this. Yeah. Like we don't, we don't usually have this reaction or this, this conversation at this point. Um, and then, yeah, I think there have been times where, you know, she's asked for that space or she now says, you know, I'm going to go hang out in my room for a while. Uh, whereas before, like she never would, even if I was working, I'd be like, 
don't you want to go hang out in your room for a bit? And she'd be like, no, <laughs> um, I want to stay here with you, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, um, so that's been an interesting shift to watch. Oh, wow. That is awesome. And that, that's really, really, uh, in, really, um, scary for me because everyone tells me that like you need to enjoy the time that you have with your kids when they want to be around you all the time because the moment that switch happens yeah. they like don't want to spend any time with you and then it doesn't come back yeah, until they're it's like really true yeah, until, it doesn't come back until they're like 30 35 right <laughs> then they want to spend time with you again yeah um so um it is really true so you're validating that what everyone's been saying you're like hey i'm living proof that it actually is starting to happen <laughs> yeah that's great. Right, right. And then um, as it relates to um, your um, career and business, what are your, some of the, 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 what are the, some of the things that you qualify success at? Like, how do you think about when you think about building your business and your career? Um, I, I guess I would use my relationship with you as an example. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, uh, we collaborate on things. We've had our disagreements. We've sort of had our ups and downs with different things. We are always interested in pursuing amazing opportunities and seeing how we can uh, work together. You know, and at the end of all of it, you know, we still love each other. I love you, man. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's been really great fostering a relationship with you. And, and so, yeah, I feel like success is not only really like meeting your own goals and aspirations, but, you know, also building up people around you and, uh, feeling like you can have an impact on on their lives, their goals, and their aspirations, and I think um, I think that's articulated pretty well in our relationship. Yeah, I love you too, man. I love you too, and I think that that's a really <laughs> well said statement because we have been through a lot together, and it's been like short but not short, right? And we've gone through a lot in that in those few yeah. years, and we've probably experienced a lot of trials and tribulations way more than most people do, just because there's business mixed in with friendship and relationship and situations that are not normally um, there during a normal friendship, right? Because our, our relationship was really right. built around yeah. this kind of development cycle of, of life and, and building businesses and stuff. So it's a really good point. And I think that if you think about business, at the end of the day, like, it really is still a, about people, you know, and, and the relationships that you build and the brand that you set for yourself. And, and um, it's, it's um, very, very deep and philosophical of you to say that. And, and that means a lot that you actually articulated on the podcast <laughs> as well, too. So thank you for, thank you for doing that. <laughs> very cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and then is there, um, uh, is there any kind of like goals or aspirations you want from your daughter? Uh, as it relates to her career and her trajectory and where you want to take her? Do you want her to kind of follow in your footsteps or do you think that she has an inkling for some sort of like passion or different trajectory in life? Oh man, that, that is definitely the age old question when it comes to your kids. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I want her to feel like she's making her own decisions and pursuing the things that she really wants yeah. to. She's in a particular, uh, peculiar situation in that, you know, I'm, I'm this white dude and her mom is this Japanese parent. And we both have pretty different expectations when it comes to what our kids will do. So for example, if my daughter is baking things and she's saying, Oh, I love baking, you know, I'll say, Oh, you know, there are culinary schools in the area. You can yeah. even, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, look at maybe doing that, you know? And you know, her mom is like, no, you will not be going to culinary school. That's not a real school. Like you need to, <laughs> you need to get a real degree at a real school yeah. and you know, stuff like that. Um, 
when it comes to even her middle school grades, you know, I'm, I'm like, Oh, great. You got like an A and she's like, Oh my gosh, but I should have gotten an A plus and this and that. And they're going to see it on my high school transcript and yeah. you know, all this kind of stuff. I'm just like, don't worry about it, man. I had like some C's <laughs> on my, on my high school transcript and you know, I'm, I'm doing yeah. okay. So, uh, but, um, so I think she's doing a really good job of balancing those competing pressures. Like I really want her to do what she loves doing, something she'll be happy doing, uh, and also something that she'll find fulfilling and that can sustain her, um, home life that she wants as well. You know, so she'll make enough money and all this stuff, but I want her to be happy with it. So if she ended up running a bakery somewhere or, you know, something like that, I would be totally happy with that. Um, so she's balancing that with, you know, the high expectations that her mom has and so on and so forth. And I think it's actually a really good combination. Uh, I'm hoping she'll end up somewhere in the middle where she really sets a high bar for herself and for success, but at the same time, makes sure that, you know, she's happy and she's doing something that she wants to do uh, and that she's doing it for the right reasons. So, um, so I'm, I'm pretty hopeful that she'll end up in a good place. That's awesome, man. And if you, um, actually think about whether or not it is beneficial or not. Um, at the very least, she's getting the perspectives, right? And so whether she turns right. into a hybrid model of that and she gets best of both worlds or not, at least she's actually aware and exposed to the different types of ways of thinking about this. Because as I've gotten older, what I realized is that it's actually a combination of both, like you just said, you know, like it's a hybrid of both, right? Because right. you can't just follow your passion, which is something that I've like really pinged hard to, you know, in my thirties, I'm like, oh, I just want to be passionate. I just want to be happy about it. But it's like, it still needs to pay the bills and it still needs to sustain life. And it needs to be something that people yeah. want and that provides value for somebody, right? Or else like you could be happy, but it, then your other parts aren't happy because you're poor or you're not able to like make, you know, make rent or, and so then it, the overall happiness gets kind of diversified because we're such complex creatures. Right. And so you do need to kind of approach this with yeah. a diversified mindset and, and, you know, like really think through like, sure. What are you passionate about? But what also is the market, you know, saying is valuable and like, what can you provide in that? You know, like there's a lot of things that go into it. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so that's a really, really good way of like yeah. um, uh, thinking about it. Um, I will say though, I say that, and you know, I'm talking all dramatically and smart, but, uh, secretly, I just want my kids to be musicians. Like, I don't even like, I don't even like, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All this stuff about being smart and then providing value. But like, all I really want for my kids to do is like, learn how to sing and play guitar. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Thanks. Um, do you have a thing, do you have a thing like that where you like secretly want them to do something? I mean, I, uh, her mom and I are both musicians. And so I think we both secretly would love it if she yeah. was a musician. Uh, she, I, I think we maybe pushed her a little harder in music than maybe she was ready to be. So she played violin for eight years and then finally told me, I just don't want to do it anymore. I gave it eight years. Wow. You know, it's enough time for me to figure out that I don't want to do it. Uh, which for me makes a lot of sense because when I play guitar and all those types of things, um, you know, I don't do it for a career and I tried doing, uh, I tried writing music as a career fresh out of college for a little bit and it was really stressful. And I found that I wasn't enjoying it, um, and things like that. So I'm actually kind of glad that she put her foot down and said, you know, I'm not going to continue with this. Um, because now actually it's so interesting because every once in a while 
she'll be doing her thing and then I'll hear her violin oh, from her wow. room. And so I'll ask later, Oh, I heard you playing some violin. She's like, yeah, you know, I, um, I was watching this anime or whatever, and there was this melody. And so I just wanted to play it. Awesome. Um, and so she's starting to get to the point where she plays when she wants to play and plays what she wants to play, which I think is a much preferred uh, thing. But yeah, secretly, I think her mom and I, if we could wave a magic wand, she would, be doing music somewhere yeah, that's awesome <laughs> that's actually a really good way of thinking about it because i think back to when i grew up and um, my my parents in typical um um I, I mean it's very typical in asian culture but like you have to learn piano you know and like you have to just like that's just like a mandatory yeah. thing and in korean culture you have to learn taekwondo as well so it's like taekwondo and piano uh, but it, <laughs> nice. but long story short we like um you know would talk to her the same situation we were like hey we did piano for so long and we want to quit and so we, the siblings got together and we quit together but um very similar to what you just said like i went back to my mom like two or three years later and said i actually want to learn piano again and but it was like me driving it though, nice. right and it's i think that separation and yeah. allowing for me to like figure out what it is that i wanted versus like being told and i think that's part of growing up and i think it's part of like you know, grave grabbing your independence and then, and then understanding a little bit more about, you know, the diversification of yourself. So maybe the secret is reverse psychology. Maybe I should tell yeah. her not to play the piano and then my kids will hopefully, yeah, that's right. And then do hopefully it. my kids will actually want to play the piano. Yeah. That'll probably be my strategy and tactic. Yeah. Right. Uh, very good. Hey, l let me, uh, let me <laughs> jump into some, um, um, of my questions I like to ask every guest here, just so I can, um, have some, consistency about uh conversations that i have in every episode okay what advice yeah. do you have for other parents and soon-to-be parents oh geez um my first go-to advice is is the one everybody knows which is you know take a lot of pictures mm. you know that time goes by so fast um and when amelie was younger i used to keep an almost daily journal it's, it's kind of dropped off over the years and so on and so forth but just take that time to live each moment slow it down um you know and take it take notice of how it feels how it looks how it smells you know um different things like that so that you can think back on them um and you know i think it's also really important to recognize or to think back when you were a kid what are those things that really were magical to you when you had a magical moment what did it feel like what what do you what do you imagine that was like you know and just recognize that that's kind of what your children are experiencing mm -hmm. now is you know these this is a magical age for them which they'll never be able to get back when when they get older so just enabling them to do that uh is definitely um i i think helpful in terms of really making sure that they have the childhood that you want them to have and that yeah, they want to have. That's yeah. a great answer. If you can go back and tell yourself one thing before having kids, what would it be? What would that be? Um, I guess, you know, I mean, part of it is, is that it's a, it's okay to make mistakes. Um, so, you know, everybody always jokes, kids don't come with a owner's manual or anything like that. Um, but people will take that to different degrees, right? Some people say, oh, they're unbreakable. Some people like worry yeah. about every little thing. Um, and I think, I think there's a balance to it and, and about allowing mistakes to happen. Um, and then I think a big part of that is also, you know, being honest with your kids. Um, 
So I realized like early on, um, I remember I was eating a cookie or something like that. And Amelie said, oh, can I have a cookie? I said, no, it's almost dinner time. You shouldn't have a cookie. She's like, exactly. you're having a cookie. You know, and that's the, that's the place where you could totally pull the parent yeah. card, you know, or be like, I'm older than you. I know how to yeah. balance my appetite yeah. better than you, you know, like all this kind of stuff. But, um, but it made me stop and think, I am having a cookie. That's right. Why can't she have a cookie? Like, so, so that we could address it, like from her standpoint, because I have my reasons as to why I wouldn't have her have a cookie but think it's okay yeah. for me to have one at that time but if i can't articulate that to her then That's she right. gets a cookie right. <laughs> um because kids are actually really strong with that logic and if you can explain hey this is like this because of this and so on and so forth um they usually understand and so you, um so if i could go back i would say anytime that you think about pulling the parent card or saying because i said so or because i'm the parent or whatever um, I would not do that. I would, I would instead, mm. you know, try to meet them where they're at because it also, you know, I think if you play the parent card, it, um, will affect their behavior down the road where they'll start to pull rank or they'll start to, you know, hold their privilege over other people in different areas. Yeah, no, it's a really good point. And I, I definitely, um, try to follow that same logic as well. Right. And, uh, probably to an extreme, uh, because yeah. my wife always likes to tell me that I, there, she has like, she has three kids, not two, because I mean, I always get talked into having, you know, donuts for lunch and ice cream <laughs> for dinner. Like I am, I'm always the pushover dad. I'm like, that does sound like a good idea, yeah. you know? And like they negotiate with me and they win and I'm like, yeah, and I'll have a good right, argument. Right. So I'm like, let's, we're doing it, you know? And so I'm, I'm, I'm like, I don't think as, I'm yeah. as sage about it or as like uh, thoughtful about it as you are. I just like, I just don't have a good argument. So I'm like, you're right. It's not fair. Let's go do it. And then we just go end up doing it. So yeah. Right, right. Um, very cool. Yeah. What is the um, most, the inverse of that question, what is the most surprising thing that you've learned about yourself after becoming a parent? I don't know if it's specific to me, but I think one of the things that has been surprising is um, recognizing where your parents were at, at, at different stages oh, in wow. your life, right? So there's that moment when you see that picture of you as a kid with your parents and you look and say, Oh my gosh, my dad in this picture is like 12 years yeah. younger than I am now, you know? Um, and so it, it reframes everything in this perspective of, Hey, my parents are, are people, you know, and, and I'm older than my dad was in that picture. And when, and, and so then you start thinking of it through, your kids' eyes, you know, what did I think of my parents when I was 13, you know, and is there a good chance that that's sort of how, you know, my daughter views me and so on and so forth. So it's just, it's just this really weird, like, meta moment, you know, where it's kind of like, what is, what does this all mean, you know? Um, uh, and, and it just kind of, like, makes you more aware of the cycle of life and, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I don't know if that's really a realization about myself, but it's definitely something that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, I think it goes back to, you know, like you just being super insightful and, and introspective. I mean, that's I think you're always kind of looking inwards to see, you know, like like the 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 things that you can pull from it. Right. And things that you can learn from it. And so I, I that's actually a pretty Cody answer, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I've actually <laughs> I like it a lot. <laughs> uh, OK, so let's keep moving. Um, 
do you have a favorite uh, book or a favorite business book that you kind of like uh, would recommend people read if they wanted to um, read something and get to know you a little bit better? Oh boy. Uh, so it's probably cliche at this point, but my favorite book is The Alchemist mm. by Paulo Coelho. Um, it's just, it's one of those ones that you can read at multiple different stages in your life. And it's a different book when, you know, if you read it when you're young, it's one way. And then if you're middle-aged and read it, it it's totally different. Um, and it's totally different now each time that you read it, just because of all the perspectives and thoughts and philosophies and everything that are in it. It's really cool for business. Um, I think that's where my, um, distrust of authority comes into place. Like I think, uh, you know, Steve jobs once said something along the lines of, you know, there comes a point at which you realize that everything that's out there is something that somebody thought of, like just another human, like thought of this or, came up with it. And so once you realize that you can come up with your own things. So there's a lot of things when it comes to business and things like that, where I try to pick up on best practices and things, but also like I trust my gut a lot when it comes to certain things. And so I'll read books and sometimes be really critical of like the mindset of the person or think that they're missing like a perspective or something like that. Um, that said, uh, I, I do like a mm. lot of Simon Sinek's work. So even just, you know, start with why is a, is a good one that especially in my Apple days seemed particularly relevant. Um, and then I've seen Brene Brown speak several times and she's always amazing. And so I, I think I've read half of one of her books, but just been so busy. But my book list awesome. has a lot of her Very books cool. on it as yeah. well. And then when you're not um, building up an amazing culture uh, business called Plumeria and um, tr training the masses on NFTs at OpenSea and uh, learning how to be a musician and not learning how to be a musician, sorry, launching your uh, redo of your musical career here and uh, being a super dad, uh, what does Cody do for <laughs> fun? What's your downtime activities? Oh my gosh, uh, downtime activities. Um, definitely like guitar, even though I can fit it in the cracks, it's definitely one of those things where if I have, you know, a span of time or an evening to myself, like that'll definitely make an appearance. Uh, I have gotten on the PlayStation nice. 5 bandwagon <laughs> recently. <laughs> so a lot of that, um, I watch a lot of, uh, soccer games and, and things like that. Um, so yeah, That's those great. are a few of the things that I do for fun. Uh, especially being here in Portland, Oregon, it's great to go outside go hiking uh, in the summer. I love taking a kayak onto the lake or the river. Cody, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me about um, life, love, business, children, parenting, all that stuff. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your incredibly busy schedule now. It's awesome. Yeah, thanks for thinking of me. Thanks for the opportunity. <laughs> thanks again for being on the show. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Girl Dad Show. We really hope you enjoyed that interview. And as always, Please take a moment to review, rate, and subscribe. We'll see you next time.